Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordo will be back uh, coming up next week. He'll be back on Mondays off uh, getting a little R&R. want to remind you, uh, Scotty and Hans are going to be at the Mountain Land Supply Customer Appreciation Days coming up tomorrow from 11 to 3, 1505 West, 130 South in Orem. Enjoy free Bam Bam's Barbecue, uh, Dapper and Dash, and much, much more. Austin, that means you're going to be hightailing it down to Orem after your show, isn't it? Free Bam Bams? <sighs> that Bam Bams Get is it. mean. You know, I've never had it. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? You will never, ever not want to have it again. It seems like a barbecue around here has stepped its game up in the last however many years. There's a lot of good joints, yeah. Seems like there used to be one or two around, and now it seems like uh, a lot more is... Do you enjoy half. meat that melts... Off the bone. Yeah, the tenderness. Oh, yeah. Who You'll doesn't? like Bam Bams. I'm an American, right? <laughs> yes. You have taste buds. We're, we're living here in the good old U.S. of A. Of course. Of course I enjoy that. Yes. By the way, I've got people in the industry guessing names of engineers now. Oh, you do really? Texting me. A <laughs> well, couple you, of them have got some of them right. But. Here, I, I'll say this to you. Uh, I, uh, you and I have the similar experiences with different engineers. That's right. We're talking uh, similar stories, different engineers. Correct. Yeah. Different and different build- places at different times. Different buildings, different places. Yeah, anyway. Mm-hmm. If, if you're listening and you're worried, it's you, it is. <laughs> we, we've, we've had some good ones back in the day, but then somewhere not as good. We've had a good run of late, though. I don't mean to be, like, throwing people under the bus. These are people years ago in my life. Yeah, lately, we've been doing fine. We've been... We're we've, broadcasting currently, are we? Yes. We've... we've uh, Whatever perils we went through then have been made up for and then some by our recent run of crew. Yeah, right. We're doing fine. We're doing just fine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like what you say, though, Austin. If you think it's you, it probably is. That's, that's probably... That's my rule of thumb. Yeah, it, it probably... Trust your gut. If you think it's you, it is. And then we've had some good engineers that have just completely abandoned us for no good reason. Oh, we don't speak of he. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about Ben Russell anymore. <laughs> Voldemort. <laughs> Hopefully retirement's treating you well at 37. Ben, thanks a lot. <laughs> what a great guy. <laughs> I know, Ben's the best. He did abandon us, though. He did. That, that did happen. He did uh, abandon us. Um, real quick, I uh, wanted to pass this along from John. Uh, we were talking about the Lauren McCluskey uh, Dateline episode last night, and uh, John actually um, uh, had a couple of tweets uh, coming in. John said, I bet a call from Spence Eccles would fit a lot, fix a lot of these issues. Yeah, he does carry some weight up there. I, I think you're right, though, uh, Austin, when you say uh, there need to be some loud voices who continue to uh, advocate about Solving I don't know, maybe, some of these issues. Maybe some people who may or may not have been elected by the people. And then John says, my da- he goes on, he says, my daughter is a student there. Thanks for keeping this conversation active. Yeah, I think we need to. I, I think we need to, to keep this going because, um, you know, guys, there's a lot of dads like John out there or maybe even some students at the University of Utah listening to the show today. And I, I think... Um, I, I think their safety is is valuable to say the least, and and worthy of of discussion because I think uh, that the system set up to keep those young people safe failed in this instance, and I I think we're not doing ourselves or we're not being responsible citizens if we just let it disappear. So, uh, John, uh, you got it, buddy. We'll we'll keep it rolling. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Durant. What happened last night? Um, and by the way, he was 
playing lights out before he got hurt. He was exactly what the doctor ordered for the Golden State Warriors. And then we all see it. We've all seen it. Well, hopefully some of you out there haven't seen it. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it. Don't do it. Where uh, it, he steps on that calf wrong and you see, you know, a, a rippling in the muscle. <laughs> Why? Hard to describe. Crazy. <laughs> And then uh, We're Kevin to have a disclaimer on this show. And then you can see Kevin grabbing at where his Achilles should be. Now we have not seen an official MRI update on the injury. However, uh, there are reports out there that internally inside the the Warriors organization, they're expecting it to be an Achilles rupture, which is absolute worst case scenario. Uh, a couple of different things I want to get to here. First of all, the the response from the Raptors fans. It was just I, – I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe when I, I saw the, the cheering and you could hear it through the television. You see the Raptors players themselves going, hey, guys, geez, what are we doing here? You know, it, it, the, the fans here at Vivint Smart Home Arena have uh, – you know, they're, they're a rowdy bunch. You know, they're, they're a row- they are loving their Utah Jazz. They are vocal. Uh, they um, will, will talk some trash from time to time. I think we've seen that, Austin. But never, and I've seen a lot of games at this building, every single time you see somebody go down with an injury, and especially if you really think it might be a serious one, this place goes dead silent. I mean, dead silent. And everybody is good for fans. I mean, we shouldn't be congratulating fans for showing basic like human decency, but like, good. I'm glad, I'm glad it goes silent in this building. And it's always met with a respectful, warm round of applause when that player is, you know, helped off the floor or whatever. And it's, I'd like to think most buildings around sports uh, react in the same way, right? I mean, I think we see it at BYU football games, Utah football games. I mean, it's just, it's appropriate. Thank you to our fans out there for acting appropriately. I could not believe that there was cheering during that moment. That That is just nuts to me. And I, I heard you say this earlier, Austin, and I, I totally agree. Don't agree much with what uh, usually comes out of Bookie Cousins' mouth, but he was right on the money in his in his comments about uh, Toronto's fans after the whole thing. I believe he described it as trash. Yeah. Trash. Very, very accurate depict. uh, uh a name for that type of behavior. Yes. I, it, it would have blown my mind if one person had been standing up, clapping, and cheering. That's half the stadium. Just crazy. Now, I did see a tweet um, from a Toronto Raptors fan that said that, the, that they found the response egregious, and they donated a bunch of money to Kevin Durant's foundation, and they were trying to get their t- uh, tweet to go viral, to, you know, whatever. But they, they stood there and cheered. Well, a guy basically just had his career severely altered in that moment. So I, I got to say, disappointed in Raptors fans. And that, uh, that, that certainly cannot happen and I'd like to think would not happen around here. And did you see the shots of Jurassic Park? Yeah, going nuts. They, it was like New Year's Day. It was like midnight on January 1. Be ashamed of yourselves. Don't make me laugh, Austin. Buy, it's not buy a funny. paper bag and put it over your head because you should not be shown in public as a Raptors fan ever again. Ball up your hand. Woohoo! Happy New Year! <laughs> Ball up your hand into a fist, hold it out in front of you, and punch yourself right in the face. Do us, do us all a favor. Yeah, it was ridiculous. The <laughs> band strikes up, there's choreographed dances, confetti fireworks. 
conga lines. Stop, make, stop making me laugh, Austin. It's not funny. It's not. It I'm is sorry. not a funny situation. Um, but anyway, I don't know anybody who doesn't certainly have uh, some sympathy for Kevin Durant. But uh, the other thing, well, there's a couple other things to get to here. Kevin Durant playing. Should he have played? Should he not have played? Whose fault is it that uh, that this happened? And the answer is that it's nobody's fault. It's really not. You you play sports and and there's a chance that you get injured. And you know what? When you fight through injury, you know that there's a chance that it it doesn't go well. I thought I thought Hans looked uh, looked at this through an interesting angle today because uh, coming from that former player perspective, and uh, I thought I thought it was I, I thought he was right on the money. I actually have more respect for Kevin Durant today that he did lay it all out, all out there on the line. He did want to be a good teammate. He did want to bring his team back in the NBA Finals. All these all these virtues that we find valuable that don't necessarily have a financial benefit to them, right? I heard what Jalen Rose said on ESPN earlier today where basically that uh, the, the fans and the media got their pound of flesh. We demand that these guys play hurt, and we'll call them soft if they don't. And he got basically, um, you know, persuaded to go out there and significantly injure himself. And I understand where Jalen Rose is, is is coming from, but that's not how we view sports. We view sports as you want something greater than money. You want the NBA title and it's not about personal success. You're a part of a team and to be a, a, a valued team member. And and from Hans's perspective, I loved it because how many times did he sit there on a football sideline, you know, all banged and bruised up and looked over at the guy next to him that has an injury twice as bad as his, but he's still out there for the, the betterment of the team and he's laying it all out there on the line. You know, it, it it commands a lot of respect. So I think Kevin Durant is responsible for his own decisions. And I, I hope he got the best advice, medical advice possible before he made his decision. I hope all that happened. I hope there was no malpractice in this. Not that I would suspect any, but you know what I'm saying. I, I hope that he was given the best advice from the best doctors and he went out there and this just happened. He, he knew the risk. He took the risk. And it's worst case scenario, but that's he went in with full knowledge, right? I hope that's the the situation, because I don't think anybody made the decision for him. I mean, no no trainers going in there, or no GM. And I, you saw how shaken up Bob Myers was after the game. Nobody's going in there and going, Kevin, guess what? I know you you don't want to, but you're playing. You know, it's it's up what to are you. you. Chicken, get out there. Ultimately, it's up to Kevin, and I admire his decision, and I'm I'm very sorry the way that it worked out. I, I am as well. Uh, now, Adrian brought up an interesting point earlier. The Warriors better hope Kevin Durant doesn't blame them, because if they have any shred of hope or prayer that he might choose to return to sign with them or opt in, whichever, he be- they better hope he doesn't hold anything against them. He, he be- they better hope that he doesn't feel like they coaxed him into – Boy, we could really use you. Your teammates, they could really use you. If you if you can't hack it, then sure, stay stay out. But boy, we could really use you. They better hope that's not the case. Because the other part of that Jalen Rose clip is he claims he reported that the workout Durant went through, uh, Durant went through, came back Didn't with ill well. reports. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, if that's the truth, then he should not have been playing. But I am the guy that previous to yesterday was thinking Durant was holding out for Durant. 
and that that was Kevin Durant. He's all about Kevin Durant, KD35, KD Trafa, whatever. And uh, he doesn't care about the Golden State Warriors, doesn't care about titles, cares about Kevin Durant. Then he went out there and showed me that I was dead wrong. Right, which is... And he paid for it. Which is the mentality that Jalen Rose was was complaining about. Sure. Um, But, and good transition, Austin, because maybe Golden State is rooting for Kevin to hold it against him. What? Why? Okay, that brings us to the situation now that that Kevin Durant has out in front of him. So he's got about 31 and change million dollar player option next year. Let's call it 32. So does he pick up that player option, stay with Golden State next year, and then become a free agent after that? Or does he do what we all thought he previously planned to do, and that's decline the player option, hit free agency this year, and weigh his options, so to speak, right? So his options would be coming back to Golden State for a five-year Supermax contract. Should be nice. It'd be pretty, uh, pretty big. A lot of zeros there, as Gordon would put it. But here's, here's what I'm thinking. Why, why is there that na- the narrative out there that he would actually opt in and pick up that year? Because he's still getting a max contract regardless of that injury last night. I truly believe that. Maybe if you believe that that injury is going to scare off some suitors, then then maybe he makes a different decision. But I don't I don't feel that way. You can't tell me the New York Knicks wouldn't sign him tomorrow, or Brooklyn would sign him tomorrow, or even even the Clippers, because yeah, he may be damaged goods, but he's also Kevin Durant, and it's also you to get a player who a lot of people were saying is the best player in the NBA right now. You you take that risk, right? If you can oh, yeah. get Kevin Durant on uh, your team, you don't say, mm, no, it's I don't It's a bad think so. injury, though, Jake. It's, it's, it's one of the worst you can have to hope the to worst. return to full activity as you were before. But there will be a team, if not multiple teams out there, that will max him out. And I would be one of them. Um, we talked about this before the show. Elton Brand tore his Achilles with the Clippers. And Elton Brand at the time was an all-star, not a superstar, and Philly still maxed him out. And Accurate. that didn't really work out all that well for Philly, but but they have they now given him a job too. They so. still they still did it. I think there would be franchises lining up to give him that money. But here's the thing: if I were Kevin Durant, I'd 100% decline the player option, but I'd very heavily consider staying with the Warriors. Because if I'm Kevin Durant right now, my entire goal, and I tell my agent this: get me every guaranteed nickel you can get me, every single penny. Because I'm not so sure how this is going to go from my standpoint. But the last thing that I want to do if I'm Kevin Durant is rehab for a whole year, come back for the last two weeks of the season or whatever, look compromised, and then hit the open market. Because no one's going to want to pay you like what you would get if you just take it now. Possibly. And we all would say, oh, we should give him more time to rehab. He's coming in off an Achilles injury. But what you're actually thinking is, oh, that Kevin Durant we knew is long gone. Where right now, I still think you have, I think you still have suitors lining up to pay you. Were you, were you 100% certain before yesterday's game that he was going to leave Golden State this summer and, and go play elsewhere? No, not 100%. Where were you? Oh, probably more like 75. Where are you after the injury? Um, I'm less confident that he'll go somewhere else. So that that changed it for you, right? Really? Because yeah, if you can get that fifth year, I mean, you don't know. You don't. You don't know how you're going to return. I guess that's a good point. That's another year that no one else can give you, and perhaps you never do get back to where you're supposed to be. At least you're getting the money. You're, it's another year where you're making forty million dollars. 
So to your facetious point earlier that maybe the Golden State wants him to blame them. Oh, 100%. They don't want Kevin Durant back now. But they also don't want the uncomfortable position of not signing Kevin Durant back. Yeah, this guy just donated his body to your franchise. And you're going to say, no, thank you. Who are you, Danny Ainge? <laughs> oh, what they did to Isaiah Thomas is just... Oh, I know. Is I know. Just... Scotty said that earlier. Bob Myers is up there bawling his eyes out, which I think was a bit of a show. But he's up there crying and, and showing his emotions. And if it's Danny Ainge, he's up there going, uh, next guy up. If it's Danny Ainge, he says, you know what, guys? I already packed his stuff. It's already ready to go. What's his name? He has an injury. Uh, we're not. We're we're not worried about him anymore. <laughs> no, he, he's gone. Who was it? What's what, what's his name again? Kevin Dungaroo. What was it? So let let's say this for a second though. Here's why Golden State might not be rooting for it, Austin. So if um, if Kevin Durant resigns, if Clay Thompson resigns for the Max, with just those guys, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, they're already at three a three hundred million dollar pay payroll, including luxury tax. So with their repeater tax uh, uh, penalties, et cetera, et cetera, they're at $300 million, and that's without filling out their roster with nobody's rookies and uh, mid-level exceptions. Oh, geez. So, uh, you know, you wait two years to get the actual Kevin Durant back, or you just cut your losses at this point? So when Durant's agent is calling you this summer, do you pretend that you're out of cell service and just miss on it and go like, and then you call him back when you know it's done? You're like, are we too late? Oh, nutsy figging. We missed it. It's, that's why this, this injury, that was such a dramatic turn of events last night, is because how, how do you approach it now? I mean, if you're Golden State, do you feel like you owe him? Much like Houston owed Chris Paul? No. You know that wink wink nod nod deal where it's no. like we'll we'll give you the supermax. Do they do they owe Kevin Durant at least that offer now? No, cuz he dragged them all year long with this whole shroud of is he or is he not leaving. They don't owe him anything. And he he's free to do whatever he wants and that's that. And he probably doesn't want to stay anyway. But I I'm telling you if it were me, I would get every single guaranteed dollar I could. So they just to cover me on the back end because I know that there's a sheer possibility. At least immediately, I'm not coming back as the best player in the league. And if I make it back to that status, he's it's going to take him at least two years. Hmm. And by that point, he's how old now? 33, 30. 34. So he's 30, 30 now. now. Yeah. So he's 33 before he gets back to being Kevin Durant. And at that point, he's only got a year or two left to be in Kevin Durant anyway. Hmm. So they would prefer to sign Clay Thompson and not Kevin Durant this summer. I don't know. Is your position? Well, I I'd re-sign Kevin Durant and figure out a way to trade him as soon as I could. I don't know. Trade an injured Kevin Durant with the supermax on the books. You gotta you gotta do something before his value goes straight down because that's. I mean, look at look at Gordon Hayward. I mean, he's coming. It's a different have to? different injury or whatever, but he wasn't the same this year. Those significant injuries, it takes a while to come back from. And and look at the heat that Gordon Hayward took all year in Boston. Yeah. I know you don't feel bad. I'm no, not saying different, to, different story, I'm though. not saying to feel bad. I'm just saying he's not coming back Kevin Durant immediately. There's no way. No, but also Gordon is the teacher's pet in Boston. Terry Rozier admitted as such. He and Kyrie Irving had different rules than the rest of the team. Kevin Durant is not necessarily the teacher's pet there in Golden State. 
Now, here's the hard part, though. Steph Curry is. Boston. But Steph Curry carries himself differently. What does Boston do now? Because Kyrie Irving, there were a lot of rumors out there that he was going to pair up with Kevin Durant, whether it was Brooklyn, New York, or, or with the Clippers. I mean, does he really want to go to Brooklyn and be the only guy on the team? No, he changed his number so Durant can't text him anymore. That's what happened this morning. Does Irving now stay in Boston? Does Boston pull the trigger on Anthony Davis because they think that uh, that would convince Irving to stay? I think that's probably the move now. If, if, I'm, if I'm Irving's people, I tell him, if Boston can get Anthony Davis to you in Boston, you, Boston's your spot. Especially if they trade away some of the people that did not care for Kyrie Irving in the process. That probably would help. Like Terry Rozier. But do you take that gamble where, where say, you give up on a bunch of uh, picks and Jason Tatum, maybe Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and then all of a sudden Irving says, yeah, no, I'm still leaving. I'm still bouncing. Have a good one. So there's a lot of ramifications out there. Uh, that That injury was a big, big deal for a variety of reasons. Uh, including it's going to make it uh, more difficult uh, for Golden State to win the title. But they do um, do deserve some credit. That was an exciting game last night, no doubt about it. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to Brian Taylor. We'll do a little U.S. Open preview for you. I want to remind you, Ute Conference Football 14U Division will allow players the full high school experience, high school rules, unlimited weights, real football. If you're tired of rec league competition, sign up today, UteConferenceFootball.org. Let's compete. Let's play. More straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com joins us now. So, Ken, let me start by saying, do you know what I look like? I do, I do. And if you were standing outside my office, I would let you in. Well, this guy lives in our own community, yep. and he's coming in, volunteering his time to do a show. Was I told and, that? No. Well, how about this? If Johnny Miller shows up and he's going to do a guest appearance. Johnny, take your artificial <laughs> hip and limp around the corner. Ken, on behalf of the entire Miller organization, I apologize. I appreciate that, PK. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys, or at least PK, acknowledges the of course the growth error that was made on that day. Catch DJ and PK mornings from six till ten. Presented by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Oh, hey guys, it's Big Show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for uh, making us a part of your day. It is uh, U.S. Open week here on the station, and we're hoping to talk to Brian Taylor coming up here momentarily. Brian of Real Golf Radio fame as uh, we get you ready for the U.S. Open. And, in fact, uh, let's do this while we're waiting for Brian. Uh, we've got the Win a Golf Major giveaway going on, as usual, before the uh, the majors. Uh, if you're call- caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE, uh, we will assign you a player. And if that player wins the U.S. Open, then you are going to take home a brand spanking new pair of golf shoes, the same brand that that player is we- uh, wearing this year at Pebble Beach. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. Caller 12 right now. We will hook you up. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Joining us now, you hear him every Saturday morning on Real Golf Radio. He's our good friend Brian Taylor. What up, BT? What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just getting geared up for uh, Pebble Beach, one of those iconic courses that make the U.S. Open a must-watch, right? 
You know, it really is. This is uh, this is a treat to have a golf course like this host a, a U.S. Open. I mean, most of the U.S. Open golf courses are pretty spectacular. Last year at Shinnecock, opposite coast, this is one of the great classic gyms, and this one, you know, right up there along with it. So, um, you know, be fun. I, I see these guys walking out there and looking into the ocean, taking a moment to enjoy their surroundings and the walk before the heat of competition. And, you know, you, you just got to be jealous. Like, what a great life. What a great you know, what a great office environment to, to be there walking along those shores of Monterey. It's just awesome. I saw a picture yesterday of what they've got the rough looking like, and uh, that's not pretty. Yeah, I mean, you know, traditional USGA stuff here. Uh, when we were out there for preview day a couple weeks ago, it was already pretty gnarly. They've had a ton of rain, like everybody, right? All this rain we've been getting here in Utah has been rolling through the, the coast of California, and so it was real splotchy. And uh, Tiger in his press conference today said that that's really the biggest difference between, you know, what he remembers the Open in 2000 when he rolled through and won by 15. It was a lot more uniform cut of rough where – you know, this year it's a little more splotchy. And so you're going to find some areas where the ball might sit up a little bit. You're going to find some areas where it's just going to be dead and you have to wedge it back into the fairway. But uh, clearly, and, and again, I'm not anywhere near the caliber of players that these guys are, but when when I missed the fairway when we played a few weeks ago, it was, it, you know, you, you weren't getting very far. So really, really penal-type stuff, and it, and it certainly favors the player that hits the fairways. BT, from a historical perspective, how special is what Brooks Kepka is doing right now, and how does his game fit uh, Pebble? Well, this is a guy that's won four of the last six majors he's played in, and he's you know looking to be the first player in over a hundred years to win three consecutive U.S. Open championships. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that just doesn't happen. You know, he's it's it's very historic, and the odds certainly are not in his favor to to go and win this week at Pebble Beach, but. You know, in his press conference today, listening to the way he talks, the guy just has a – he's got a way about him that he just doesn't take this thing as seriously as everybody else does. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, well, you know, what about this or what about that or, you know, how does this feel? Do you feel? And he's just kind of like, look, dude, we're just playing golf. Like, I don't even care. Like, we're playing golf. I'm going to go hit the ball. I'm going to hit it again, and I'm going to make a putt. And if I'm the best one that week, then I'm going to hoist a trophy. And I'm not too worried about what anyone else is doing or what history says or doesn't say. So, you know, he, he's got a great attitude for approaching big moments. And um, maybe that's uh, just the way he handles it. Maybe that's a front. But he sure has been consistent. And, you know, like he said today, as far as how does his game shape up, he's probably not going to hit more than three, maybe four drivers around. Uh, golf course is pretty short uh, for, for modern terms, major championship venues. And so, uh, you know, they, he was asked whether that takes some of the advantage away from him because he's so good with the driver. And the way he's spinning it, and he even used that word, the way I'm spinning it, is I'll be using less club, which means I should be more accurate with it, and I'll be in the same spot as everybody else. Again, hitting less club because I'm that much stronger than everybody else. So he says, I still feel like it's an advantage. What about Tiger He and, and Phil, for that matter? They love Pebble Beach, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Tiger Woods, obviously, you know, one of his three U.S. Open championships coming right there at Pebble Beach, and he's won the AT&T there in the past. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, California, uh, that's what he grew up playing, these Polana Green, same as Phil Mickelson. So those guys very comfortable on this golf course. Um, you know, another seaside golf course with Polana Greens is Torrey Pines, where Tiger won his second uh, or his, other, his last major championship before this year, and, and that was the 2008 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, uh, Torrey Pines. So, yeah, I think Tiger's got to feel great about it. Uh, he, he judged his game. He ranked his game. 
today going into Augusta, he said everything was spot on. He had, he had everything dialed in to hit the shots that he needed to hit at Augusta National to be successful. At Beth Page, he said he felt good going in, but then he got sick and wasn't able to practice and just was fighting, the, you know, being under the weather and things just didn't go his way. Here he feels like, you know what, he's, he, he, got, he has a lot of the feels, a lot of the golf course can play fairly similar to him because even though he doesn't hit it as far as swing speed, not as good as it was in 2000, the equipment's made up for that. So he said it pretty much plays the same as it did for him you know, 19 years ago, which is remarkable. That's the hats off to the equipment side of things. So Tiger's feeling very confident, and uh, and I think, I, you know, I expect Tiger to play well this week. Bill Nicholson's taking an interesting route. Bill usually likes to be front and center as far as storylines go, and he's chosen not to speak with the media. Kind of dropped a bomb on the USGA a couple weeks ago at Memorial, basically saying that they've screwed up the U.S. Open setup every year. It has not rained. That rain was the only governor that the USGA uh, could have to be able to be reliable. And, and have a good course set up. And so he doesn't want to make that the story, so he's choosing not to speak this week. And, again, that's a little bit of an interesting uh, take for Phil Mickelson, who I said is usually front and center. But, you know, Phil won earlier this year at Pebble Beach. He's won five times at Pebble Beach. It certainly would be uh, quite the storyline if he could capture that elusive U.S. Open championship where he's been six times a runner-up. Uh, this definitely his best chance. He'll be 49 on Sunday. Father time not in his favor. This golf course is in his favor, and he's going to have to hit fairways and give himself a chance. But this is a, a really good opportunity to win a U.S. Open. If distance isn't going to be a big deal, that doesn't sound good for Tony Finau. Yeah, you know, but I, I would put Tony in that same category as Brooks Kepka. Uh, you know, I, I think the way you have to look at it, sure, Tony can't overpower it with his driver the way that he could some of the bigger golf courses. But I was really impressed with the way Tony played at Colonial a couple weeks ago a golf course that's very short and tight and demanding, and, and he's, he kind of carved it up really nicely. So, again, I, big players certainly still have the, the, the ability to hit their shorter clubs longer than other people have to hit their longer clubs. And so I, I still, again, it's all about uh, consistency and then getting the putter the putter hot for Tony. He's, he's battled the putter, and, and uh, he's got to get that going, and um, hopefully he'll be able to do that this week. There's going to be a lot of people pulling for Tony Fino this week. He's certainly a guy you have to look at, and he's, in my opinion, he's due to win one of these big, big championships. PT, what do you expect the scoring to be like? Please tell me this isn't going to be one of those U.S. Opens where plus three wins. You know, it's hard to say. Um, you know, plus three could win, Jake. It depends on the win, but the wins are supposed to be fairly light this week. I'll tell you, this is a golf course that's really hard to pick. You could go out there and shoot three over par. You can also go out there and shoot seven, eight under par on this golf course. I, I probably shouldn't say that. Not in U.S. Open conditions. Let's say six or seven under par. It's definitely um, it's possible, and it's playing as a par 71. So I, I, think that, I think you'll see some low scores, especially under the good weather conditions. It's not going to be as sunny and, and bright as it's been and warm as it's been the first couple of days of the practice round. It's supposed to be in the low 60s, and the early morning tea time guys are going to see it in the 50s. So I won't travel quite as far, but um, you know, guys, if guys hit fairways, they're, they're going to be able to, to, to make some numbers on this golf course. So uh, don't be surprised. Tiger won at 12 under par, and he won by 15 shots in 2000 in what was considered to be maybe the greatest display of golf, major championship golf we've ever seen. So 12 under par, that's, you know, when you're looking at three, you know, three under par, you know, around type thing. So I don't expect guys to light it up like they do at AT&T in February, but uh, certainly there's some numbers that you guys could shoot out there. Give us a couple of names, BT, that maybe maybe they're hot coming into the tournament or maybe uh, Pebble Beach fits their game particularly well, but a couple of guys you've got a good feeling about. 
You know, I, I really like uh, Rory McIlroy coming in this week for obvious reasons. 61 in the final round and ran away with the Canadian Open. Uh, I, I think Kevin Kisner is a sleeper pick. Uh, no one's talking about Kevin Kisner. He, he won match play. Um, he, he's, he's just a good kind of grinder plotter guy, and he's definitely due. So I like a guy like Kevin Kisner. I think Matt Kuchar is going to play well. Um, he's, again, it's his type of game. And Xander Shoffley, you know, again, another, another guy that maybe people are, aren't paying attention, but that guy is trending in major championships. He's a gamer. He's also a West Coast guy. So um, those are three names that I definitely think you got to keep an eye on. BT, you are the best. Thank you for all your coverage for the U.S. Open uh, coming up this week. And, of course, Real Golf Radio Saturday mornings. Thanks, dude. You got it. Anytime, buddy. There you go. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio, joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Customers get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with Flex Lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Coming up next, we have a Not Sports Report for you. I think you. I think you'll like this one, Austin. I know I will. Right. Gordon's not here to choose it. So uh, I think. I think this may even inspire a, an Austin Horton political rant of some sort. Oh, that's not good. It's a good. Tease, no one. Is nobody what that is. wants that. I think people will like it. Wait, am I allowed to do that? I don't know. We're gonna find out. Okay. Stay tuned. Uh, bowlers, give me in the house. Top five o'clock hour, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Check this out. And now your not sports report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Steppenwolf's from Canada? Apparently so. I had no I idea. I thought they were German. Yeah. Good but song, though. Canadian. How about that? Time for the not sto- uh, Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Uh, Austin, I've got a couple stories for you today. We'll, uh, we'll start with this one. Uh, remember uh, the uh, the Jeopardy guy? What's his name? James uh, Holzauer. Holzauer, thirty three appearances on Jeopardy, long streak, won two point four six million dollars, two and a half mil. It's pretty good. Just shy of uh, Big Show listener Ken Jennings. No big deal. We still have the champ in our community. That's right. Don't worry about it. Go get him, Ken. You're the man. Uh, so I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this other than uh, it just it just goes to show you the figures on this are just ridiculous. So that uh, $1.26 million is considered ordinary income, and uh, the federal tax rate on that is up to 37%. And since he won the money in California, he has to pay California state taxes, which are an additional right around 10%. So he's actually his take-home money is take home winnings are going to be 1.29 million dollars short uh, 40 or basically 47.6% less than the gross wow so and that goes to who 
the 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 forty seven government the feds the feds and then ten uh, percent to uh, to the, California to California is he a California resident nope resident in Nevada doesn't matter which actually has zero uh, state income tar- uh, taxes if this had been made in Nevada he'd owe zero state he'd only pay the thirty seven percent federal income tax and since I'm I, I he's like a sports gambler that's what he does for a living I'm sure his tax bracket you know he doesn't have um, you know, charities set up and those sorts of things sure. to to lower that uh-huh. uh, that percentage. So I'm sure he's paying the whole darn thing. Well, he's got a, a 47% charity now, the United States government. And I'm sure not that he's complaining about the $1.2 million, but there, there's got to be part of him that's I looking don't know, at that. Because how many days he spend? 33 days? 33 appearances, yeah. So he, and I guess his job he can do from anywhere probably his his job is he's a sports bookie or whatever yeah he bets on sporting events but let's say he was a mailman or or uh, 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 any regular job out there and he took 33 days away from his job made 2.4 million dollars but he only gets half of that well you on the one hand you get 1.2 million dollars on the other hand you lost 1.2 million dollars and you have to go back to your other job now, I think they filmed these, like, a bunch at a time. So I doubt he had oh. to miss 33 consecutive days. Several episodes in one day? I think they knock out a bunch of episodes in one day, yeah. Well, then Alex Trebek needs to rewrite that contract. By the way, good for Alex. He's kicking cancer. You that see is that pretty story? Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's uh, freaking sweet. But a star of that stature? Do one a day. One a day. Yeah. Calling it good. Um, that sucks that half of it is gone, though. Because he won $1.2 million. He also lost $1.2 million. He did. He did. But the government could use it. I don't know if you've seen the, the reports recently. We owe yeah. China, like, our lives. We so. do. Yeah. We, it, it is a thing. Um, all right. Uh, I want to go to this one, to Tampa, Florida. Uh, a Newport Richie man with cocaine powder on his nose told uh, Hillsborough County deputies it wasn't his. <laughs> So during a traffic stop, uh, deputies said the 20-year-old uh, was inside the vehicle as a passenger. One of the deputies noticed a, a white powdery substance on his nose. His nose was swabbed, and the test results showed it was indeed cocaine. But how can you say he also had a bunch of other drugs on him, but uh, he tried to, tell, uh, tried to tell deputies the cocaine on his nose did not belong to him. Should I be worried a little bit that I love cocaine? Thank you, Gordon. Thank you for that. I mean, isn't there certain times when the jig is up? You know, isn't there isn't there certain times where, you know what, the, the deniability just isn't there? I think if you've got cocaine on your nostrils, I don't think I don't think any police officer is going to believe. No, nah, man, that's not mine. You know what I got here? Cocaine. I got a bag of cocaine right here. Thank you. Sorry, I had Thank to play you, those. Gordon. You're right. If you are holding uh, the drugs in your hand and they say, "What are you, sir? You're holding drugs in your hand." You say, "No, I'm not holding drugs in my hand." They say, "Those are your hands holding the drugs," and you say, "No, it's, it's not, not mine." Well, science says you're holding drugs in your hand. It reminds me of my favorite quote from a police officer in any story ever. 
You know what I'm talking about. When they busted uh, some kid down there at- uh, He was a what, BYU student, I believe. A, or at least- Or living in uh, an apartment with BYU students. Yeah, right, right. He was living in an apartment, I think it was across the street from BYU. I can't remember if he was an actual student or not, but he was in like their student complexes or whatever. And the, they raid it, and he's cooking meth, obviously, in his in his apartment. And he said, no, 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 officer, I just like to make my own soap. I make my I make my it's own. It's a little soap hobby I have because it keeps me clean. I like to shower. Learned like, it in Cub Scouts, even. I did. I'm just making soap here. And uh, then when the reporter asked the police officer, he said, uh, "You know, he says he's making soap here. What's you know what's the deal?" And the cop goes, "You know how I know that this is a meth lab because this is a meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a meth lab, and this is a meth lab. I've seen how soap is made." This is not it. This is not it. This is how meth is made. This is exa- <laughs> unbelievable. This is exactly how meth is We'd made. We'd like to present uh, evidence exhibit A that this being a meth lab, here is a meth lab. This is a meth lab. <laughs> this is the equipment used to make meth. The prosecution rests. Here in this meth lab. So. It's a yes. lab wherein meth is created. No. Hence, it's a meth lab. Officer, I'm just making soap. You are, are you? Oh, our mistake. <laughs> well, Please, us, scrub-a-dub-dub. Let us just pack up and leave then. Forgive Nothing us. Nothing to see here, boys. Forgive us for bothering Another you. Another soap bandit got us again. Dang it, these homemade soap kits. They're so close to meth. This happens all the time. Jeez. Dang you, Palm Olive. Who knew so many people were making their own soap these days? It's just amazing. But I love that quote. I love that quote from that cop because you could just you could just hear like the snarkiness of how ridiculous it is that you're even questioning that this guy was making soap. You know how I know this is a meth lab is it's a meth lab. You know how I know this guy has cocaine on his nose. He's got cocaine on his nose. <laughs> oh, no, I know this guy was snorting cocaine because it's still on his nose. <laughs> no, that's oh, your opinion. That's not mine. That is not mine. Are you kidding? I tripped and fell, and my nose just happened to, you know, bury itself in a mound of cocaine that happened to belong to my cousin. I never know what he's got going on, I, who, I, but I love him anyway. I tried to wipe it off, but apparently I just didn't do a very good job of it. Anyway, are you going to be letting me go now? <laughs> I Unbelievable. Love that. Criminals are not the smartest. Well, you know, I guess, I guess when you're throwing up a, a Hail Mary... You know, two things the Amish do really well, Jake: making soap and meth. That's they're known for both those things. Our friend on Twitter at True Brew Coog says, "What about the bong kid?" <laughs> yeah, that's true. The kid that gets the bong mailed to his house, and his mom finds it first. And uh, even the True Brew Coog includes on here. What the frick? I have no idea what this is. This is something for. I have no idea. Well, then give it to me. Let me see what it is. I'm trying to see what it is. It looks just like a big metal, like plastic like vase. Look, that's like a glass bottle. I think it's like a vase. Well, open it then. I'm opening it. Chill. It just looks like a, a vase for like a bunch of like things. It's like, a bomb. What the frick? It's a bomb. What the heck? I didn't order that. I ordered an Xbox card. Our Xbox remote. This is a bomb. Oh, wow. 
Oh, the mom in there is 100% my favorite. This is a bong. You know how I know this is a bong? <laughs> it's because this is a bong. It's not a vase for, for a bunch of things. It's <laughs> so funny. What the frick? <laughs> I ordered an Xbox memory card. I mean, controller. I mean, game. I mean, console. I mean, console. I mean uh, <laughs> soap. I'm making soap. <laughs> oh, well done, True Brew Coog. Thank you for bringing that up. There's never a bad time to hear that. This is a bong. What the frick? It looks like a vase or something to put, you know, stuff in. A bunch of things. <laughs> That's what he said. That's a, a vase for a, for a, to hold a bunch of things. <laughs> Don't look here, Mom. Oh, Trust me. Oh, that is so funny. All right. We're talking more basketball coming up straight ahead. Hoping Bowler is going to be in the house right here on 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. I guess maybe this sounds a little callous, but it is the, the reality of what we live in. Now that this happened, how does this affect how things are going to look July 1 across the landscape of the NBA? I think it has a decade-long impact in medical health, right? I think that Kawhi's load management this year, coupled with Durant's injury, is going to change the way we play players. And I think it has a decade-long impact on rosters. There is a chance that this whole free agency because of this injury just becomes almost a dud. Kawhi stays, Kyrie stays, Anthony Davis gets traded, and we move on. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.